Like a monolith it stands, an artifact to its own builders. Out of place in its peaceful rural abode, it towers as the ziggurat amongst a country landscape. A span over peaceful waters, a stone gateway, a portage to the unknown. Well, all right. It's not a cyclopean tomb ready to spit out Cthulhu, but you've got to admit it's out of place. Before one can cross into the quaint sea of wavy green and thatched cottages and rural Victoria that is the Shire, you've got to cross the bridge. The Brandywine Bridge, that is. So what is this massive, unhobbity structure doing standing sentinel over the little land? The Great Bridge is a relic of ages past, before any halfling set foot into the west, or out of Breeland for that matter, a guard and keeper of perhaps the west of Middle-earth's best-kept secret. This week, I have a look at the bridge itself and what lies before and beyond. It's the Brandywine Bridge, and you are listening to Beneath Your Feet. The Shire, like so many countries, has natural boundaries. The one that is most iconic, forming its eastern border, not counting Buckland, is the Baranduin River. With its sources in the hills of Evendim, the Brandywine, as hobbits call it, rages south, hooks to the west, and goes down, down, down to empty itself into the Great Sea, just south of the Blue Mountains. The hobbits, having no great love of rivers or really any bodies of water when not put to the use of fishing, must have been glad to find that such an immense and helpful bridge had been erected. Creating the span from the forested lands of Bree and the old forest to the south, the bridge was truly a threshold into a fat and pleasant land to call their own once Marcho and Blanco headed out from Bree to found the colony that would become the Shire. But who built this bridge and why? Why trouble oneself with such a construction and leave it for hobbits to claim? The answers lie in the at once sordid and troubled history of the kingdom of Arthdyne. If you listened to the Tolkien Basics episode, and I'm sure you did, you'll recall that once the surviving Numenorians established themselves in the west of Middle-earth, they founded two kingdoms, Gondor in the south and Arnor in the north. As time went on, squabbles led to the cracking of Arnor into three competing kingdoms named Rudauer, Cardolan, and Arthdyne, one for each of the three squabbling sons of Eärendur. Arthdyne, governed by the true heir of Arnor called Amleth, kept basically all of the land east of the Brandywine, what is now the Shire, and the territory north of the Great Road, utilizing Fornost as its capital. Arthdyne's troubles were numerous and perpetual from war with its competing neighbors to invasions by Angmar to plague and beyond, it was hard times all around. They did, in, quote, the days of the power of the North Kingdom, construct a massive bridge over the Baranduin River and called it the Bridge of Stoneboughs, or sometimes just the Great Bridge. 
While it's never explicit in the source material, one can easily imagine the import of this bridge. It was sturdy and could be held should the enemy decide to attack from the east. This would not be wholly unexpected as there was constant civil strife between the three powers. Moreover, the lands we now call the Shire have always been fertile and clearly must have served as the breadbasket of Arnor. It wasn't just the hobbits who decided to use it for farming. Protecting those lands was a must and the bridge had to be utilized as a means of trade and traffic. In fact, it was important enough to be a stipulation for the settlement of those lands by the hobbits when they came onto the scene and renamed it the Brandywine Bridge. It was 1601 of the Third Age when those lovable furryfoots arrived and were granted permission by King Argaleb to populate the green hills and little rivers that we know and love, all the way from the bridge to the far downs in the west. By this point, as is told in the prologue of The Lord of the Rings, Arthedain and the lands of the North Kingdom were falling far and wide into waste. There was room and to spare for incomers, and ere long the hobbits began to settle in ordered communities. And what did these ordered communities bring? Why, a pub just right across the bridge. At least, that's how it seems in Lotro. The village of Stock is very close to the bridge. Traveling from the west as you come through Breland and follow the road, north of the daunting old forest, you'll find the Gate of Buckland and its great hedgerow, the newest annexation to the Shire. Immediately before you is the Brandywine and its great bridge. The first thing you notice is the gate, which is a curious addition. When the four travelers, Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin, return to the Shire from their sojourning, they find it very odd and unsettling that the bridge is now gated and maintained by both cheeky bounders and one noteworthy big man, Bill Fernie. There previously had been no gates on the bridge, and yet in Lotro there is one on the western bank. I suppose this is likely as perhaps the Dunedain who crafted the bridge meant to use it as a defense, but it's still a liberty taken by the game makers. The bridge itself is beautiful, all soft gray stone save for a few wooden additions. Its design at once points to the lords of the north who built it long before the Shire houses existed on its further side. It is not hobbit-like, but would fit no place better than the edge of the Shire. Beyond, immediately at the eastern bank, are some hobbit houses, not holes, on the outskirts of Stock. A short jog away and you reach the Golden Perch and the best beer in the West Farthing. Had this been the Shire of the Books, we travelers would have been greeted, instead, by the Bridge Inn, immediately beyond the bridge itself. This, sadly, was torn down by Sharky's men and replaced by many, many ugly houses. After all had been set right, and the chief driven off and the ugly houses torn down, the gates and the guardhouses were, we can presume, removed as well, and the bridge was returned to its former state. When the hobbits came, there were only a few items necessary for them to maintain their lands rent-free. Keep the great bridge in repair, speed the king's messengers, and acknowledge his lordship. The hobbits did this and more, even going above and beyond the call and instating the thane, a largely ceremonial position, in place of the authority of the king until his indelible return. And return he did. King Elisar of the reunited North and South Kingdoms had known the hobbits and their ways for many years and bore great personal care for many of the little folk. Our own Bilbo and Frodo most especially. 
Being both fond of the halflings and a fair man, he declared that no big folk should cross into the Shire at all, and respected it himself by not crossing the Brandywine Bridge but remaining outside it when he came to visit. So the bridge, first a gateway into a special land that became the exclusive home of the hobbits, through a circuitous route became just that again. A guard against the outside world that would so upset the careful balance maintained between the hobbits and their land. The work of great men of the West, Dunedain, passed on to the humble little folk as a shield and a boundary. I do wonder, though, if the king let dwarves through. Anyways, next time you find yourself migrating westwards as did the hobbits of yore, consider the bridge. Consider its age and stature and workmanship and beauty, and consider that if the king has his way, you won't really cross it for long. This has been Episode 8 of the Beneath Your Feet Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening, and especially for bearing with me through the extended break. It's been a joy to have time off to enjoy with my new baby Rohirrim, Baby Hobbit was already taken, uh, through the holiday season, and I'm already working on getting her to listen to the podcast. Uh, leastways, she's already well-versed in the adventures of Tom Bombadil. I hope you all also had a great New Year and a great holiday. If you'd like more information on the bridge, along with screenshots and links to this episode's music, check the show notes on my blog at www.lotrobeneathyourfeet.com. From there, you can view old screenshots and episodes, follow on Facebook or Google+, and subscribe on iTunes. As always, I'll be announcing the forthcoming episode on the blog next week, so once you hear which lands I will be exploring next, please send any questions, comments, screenshots, poems, songs, short stories, anything at all, to shipwreck at lotrobeneathyourfeet.com. Stay tuned, and thank you again for listening. My name is Shipwreck, and we'll see you next time when we go Beneath Your Feet.